We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 145, and this opinion brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and helping me to sort out this fun summer so far is Will Haas from the FC Barcelona Peña Austin. And Will, this is your second time on the show. You came on as part of our second Peña Roundtable back in the day talking to Frances, but now you get to fly solo, and uh, it's a big responsibility because of all the, uh, I guess we'll, we'll call it news going on right now. Absolutely. Well, hi, Dan, first of all. Um, yeah, and thank you again for having me on the show. Uh, I had a lot of fun last time, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be a different format, but it'll be really fun. And, you know, hopefully I can give you some some good bites for the for the people to enjoy today. Well, one of the hardest things you're going to have to do is help me navigate this. Uh, we'll say La Gran Pagunta uh, involving. I, I thought about the question for a while here, and I went with could Neymar return to Barcelona? Uh, and we're not necessarily just answering that question. We're trying to break down some of the merit of whether or not this deal even makes sense or whether or not he's a player that would fit back at Barcelona. And we're going to try to get into all of that. So it seems to me that just putting credence to some of these rumors, other players are weighing in on a possible return for Neymar. And that's the only reason I think there might be something to this. I think this is obviously just a bunch of summer transfer nonsense. And it could just be Neymar's camp putting this out there because he's upset at PSG. But you wonder if PSG and Barcelona haven't had a few conversations, again, just because other players are now weighing in on it. That's where I think um, that there is some smi- some fire where that smoke is when you're talking in that regard. If it was just coming from agents or newspapers or, thing like, or things like that, you would say it was just you know completely inorganic. But I think there is something to be said about it because of, uh, you know, some of the words from others. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, you, you've asked the question kind of the, the most appropriate way, I think, because there, there's a lot of can Neymar come back? Because, you know, the, like you said, the players are kind of talking about it or maybe they aren't. Maybe it's Neymar's posse, whatever. But then, you know, there's the financial end of it. There's the sporting end of it. I mean, it's a it's a pretty complex thing. Um you know, I guess if we're just being fanatical and pretending money isn't a thing, could he come back? I mean, I think, you know, it seems like he's still well-liked. If you ignore our uh, our opinion as fans, he seems, again, he seems well-liked in the locker room. Everyone, you know, should remember that he was immensely integral in the remontada. I mean, without him, I don't think it happens. Um, he scored 
two of the final three goals and assisted the last one. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's reasonable in that end. Financially, I don't think it's possible unless you move some serious assets. I mean, Coutinho, Rakitic, you know, those are just suggestions. There's rumors about Dembele. I, I would not move Dembele for pretty much anyone right now. So uh, I think there's just way too much upside there. And, and I think there's still something to be said for the investment on him because even if it was a, you know, Dembele plus cash deal for Neymar, I don't think you would get the value out of Dembele, you know, moving him. I don't think his value would be as high as what you initially invested on him. So, you know, you're not always going to get your money back on on a transfer, but it would be ideal. And then sporting wise, you know, sort of sort of the same thing financially. But, you know, so, someone's going to either be sitting on the bench or someone's going to get upset and want to move in the winter or or something i mean you know there's a place for him he's a fantastic player but uh and i think he could bench you know coutinho or dembele right now that said if dembele is truly healthy and committed next year i think he could fight neymar for a spot but yeah it's a very complex question i mean and then if you ask me as a fan i i don't know i i keep trying to wrap my head around it you know i like I said, I, I never forget about the Remontada, and I still love him for that. And, I mean, my dog is named Sergio Roberto, so, you know. Uh, but I, at the same time, you know, they're like, what big game are we going to have next year when Neymar's sister's birthday comes up and he, yeah. you know, needs to fly back to Brazil? <laughs> like, right. There's that. There's this kind of, like, weird, you know, allegation out there right now that— I think you're absolutely right about—particularly uh, about the allegation. I, I, I think that, you know, th- there is— there is something looming about that, and uh, and I think that not I think that allegation notwithstanding, uh, which again I, I think has always been our policy in the same way that you know we might be skeptical about transfers and we do talk about things like that, but when it comes to the legal side of things, um, you know uh, until things are finalized, that's when we'll talk about it, and that's always been my policy, whether or not uh, it's not to believe the player or her or whatever it is, but we'll talk about it when, when things are finalized and it goes through the courts uh, and, there, and there can be truths to the matter. So that's when we'll talk about allegations like that. But uh, as you kind of mentioned about his sister's birthday, uh, seemingly every year, um, now the injuries he deals with, even his reputation after the last World Cup, um, all the memes about diving and, and all these different things. And I, I think we have forgotten because he's gone to, surprisingly, it is a rivalry that I think PSG has done a great job of concocting themselves, where, again, Barcelona come back against them. They have met a few times recently in Champions League, but because of the big money and the way that PSG signed Neymar away from Barcelona, uh, that started a rivalry that if you ask people who are your top three hated clubs, I think most Barcelona fans are now going to say who. They'll say Real Madrid, Espanyol, and PSG. You know, you go back to the 80s and... You know, Diego Maradona was uh, famous for saying, just due to Copa del Rey battles with Athletic Bilbao, that, you know, back in the 80s it would have been Bilbao, um, or back in, you know, it depends on who's in power at the moment. And, and, and Barcelona clearly have something going on with PSG, who reportedly wants $300 million. And as I said, every story that comes out about this Neymar stuff, it's been in the news cycle now, you know, ardently for about two and a half weeks. And every time Sport comes out with a story who, again, they don't work for the club, but there is a loose affiliation. I think there is some pull in some of the sources at Barcelona about some of the content that comes out for Sport. And you'd have to say that this new thing about 100 million plus Coutinho, that's a, that is the most recent deal that you've heard now for about three, four days. It's stuck in the news cycle. You he- I think you hear that because... After Dembele was the one constantly mentioned, 
I think someone at the club said, hey, this isn't a serious thing, and I know you're selling papers, so you've got to take Dembele's name out of this. And then they come out with that piece about how the club has said that Dembele is now untransferable. And now that you throw in 100 million plus Coutinho, you know that that doesn't hurt public opinion of anybody, right? That Coutinho is so in the doghouse in, in, in terms of Kool-Aid that even if he stays, he's gonna, it's going to be a, a fight for redemption. But most likely Coutinho is the player, the first player, uh, we'll say, of, of high superstar standard that is going to be exiting the club, more so than Rakitic, Dembele, um, and then everybody else leaving the club, obviously, is the likes of Andre Gomes, uh, who's you know already on his way to Everton, uh, or Rafinha, who's been talking to Valencia, and things like that. So then that's the caliber, that second tier. Uh, but in terms of the big, big stars, Coutinho's the name that I think the, uh, the newspapers are willing to put in there. Um, and as you mentioned, financially for Barcelona, it doesn't work. And you know, you're seeing starting 11s with both Griezmann and Neymar, but I think this story will basically last to sell papers for about another, I'd say, nine days. Because then July 1st, I think it's a non-conversation once Barcelona spend that $120 million on Antoine Griezmann, which we've talked about on the show before on, you know, as I said, with Griezmann, it's not a no or yes. It's a, okay, fine, I get it. You guys want to make a Galactico signing, whatever. You could do worse than Antoine Griezmann, um, you know. Again, he's in his late 20s, and it's going to be a problem later. Uh, but I think that's just that's the signs that Barcelona has. And so, Will, the conversation I do want to direct this to about Neymar, though, is we look at Neymar. He came to the club, and I have an article about this on Barca blog, but I want to talk about it on the show as well, that Neymar came to the club, a boy from Santos, and he was already going to be a superstar. We knew he was going to be a global superstar. But he did improve. He got better and became a global icon at Barcelona. And the question I have for you, um, and it is, it is funny, your dog uh, named Sergio Roberto, uh, who I would trust your dog on a walk moving forward or going forward. But again, I don't know how much I would uh, def- uh, trust your dog in defending the house. Um, so you'll have to tell me about that. But, uh, as far as, um, but as far as Sergio Roberto and Neymar, those are players that we saw improve as first-team members of Barcelona. So a question I have for you, uh, a little bit derivative of Neymar, is do we remember Neymar so fondly and the time that Neymar was there because he was improved, became a superstar at Barcelona, all those things? And you look recently that Dembele is you know, been good, but as I've said, I watched him at Dortmund. He was pretty good there as well. Artur was good at Gremio, uh, and he's, you know, he's fit in. Langley was good at Sevilla and has fit in. But other than Sami Umtiti, tell me a player that has come to Barcelona or even come up through La Masia, uh, which, again, that's a loaded question because the answer is nobody. Uh, Carlos Alenia has broken in, but, we, you know, he's only been there for a year now. What players, even in the last five years, have improved at Barcelona? It's a really good question. I mean, because you're right. There are players that have come and fit in. Like, I mean, I know, I know everyone just hates Rakitic for some reason right now. But, like, he did come and fit in really well and was huge in the treble season. Um, You know, since then, everyone has their opinion. That's not what we're talking about. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a really difficult thing to answer. There, You know, there's players like Mtiti who came and, you know, shined. But... Did he really improve a ton? I, I, I think he I did. Know. I think he he was a he was a center back slash right back at I mean sorry slash left back at Lyon. He really wasn't you know the superstar that he is. And last season he really did become a top five center back. I think Umtiti is the mulligan I'm giving everybody. But again, it's anybody else that I'm <laughs> that I'm wondering. I mean Semedo. I mean I think Semedo might have improved his stock attacking wise a little bit. But uh, again, just saying. Yeah, I you know. Luis Suarez is what he is. He's the same as he was, or, you know, now starting to decline probably a little bit. But, I mean, I feel like Lungley 
lifted some. I don't, you know, I don't think he's he's stagnant. I don't think he's the same player he was at Sevilla. I think he's better now. Um, I mean, he un, given Umtiti had his problems this year, but like he he still when Umtiti was healthy, Longley was the first choice. So, right. you know, I would say he's lifted a little bit. I, but yeah, other than them, I mean, Terstegen is Terstegen is the other answer that I think is. Um, but I think. So I think answering Ter Stegen kind of changes the conversation a bit because Mark Ter Stegen, when he came from Muchen Gladbach in the same summer with Suarez, he did, he was error prone. He didn't have his positioning down, and it was him or Claudio Bravo. And now he's a top three, four goalie in the world. Uh, and I think at times he was one or two this season. And Ter Stegen has oh. got better, but I think again that's an issue where that's a compliment to the goalkeeping staff and how he as a goalkeeper has improved as opposed to fitting in with the system and improving within the system, you know, the outfield players. So I, again, I keep making excuses for the names we keep throwing out there, but I think Ter Stegen is the answer to one is a, a good answer to that question in the same regard. You know, it doesn't really count because he did it in net and he didn't do it organically in, you know what I mean? As an outfield player, which I think I mean, takes a little something different. That he improved the way he did. And, you know, not to take away from his commitment, because clearly that guy is 1,000% committed to both the club and, you know, his position and improving. He's he's put in all the work. But some of his improvement also, I think, is just natural progression as a goalkeeper. Like, their right. best years are almost always, a, you know, three or four years beyond the best years of, you know, a forward or a midfielder. Just because they're, it, it takes a little longer to learn your positioning and, you know, learn, you know, how the ball is going to track and stuff like that. So, you know, again, total, total appreciation. I love Ter Stegen. Total appreciation for him and his work. And and you're right, like the goalkeeping staff and everything. But some of that's just kind of natural. So I don't know that he's, he's certain, I don't think he's a champion of improvement at because of Barcelona. Yeah. I think the success story, but I, you know, it's not like he was kind of like a, you know, a decent player or, you know, someone that someone on the outskirts that we scouted and, you know, no one really knew about. And then he came and everyone's like, oh, my God, this guy's incredible, you know, and, and his value just skyrocketed. So. Go, yeah, going on back to Neymar, I, I think that because of the player that he became at Barcelona and the shining star that he was, the only way that I mean, going to France and basically having the only games that matter are the Champions League and then getting hurt in the way that he has in recent seasons, that was only going to dimmer his star. And totally. I think that's what's hurt him and where he is just seen as a player, you know, in the public eye, where I think the frustration was once he went to PSG, everybody said the only way this guy ever comes back to Spain is through Real Madrid. And that burns a bridge when there is a belief in the fan base that that is your only option, that's where you're going to go. Um, in the same way that... You know, it's funny when we talked about Takafuso Kubo uh, on last week's show, and then two days later he goes to Real Madrid. And it's just, it is, I mean, I, I think in a sporting sense, not in a sporting sense, in the opposite of that, I think from a fan, it's just, it's a slap in the face when you go to the rival. And that's what happened. So when people labeled him as a Real Madrid player in the future, it tells you all you need to know about the perception of Neymar once he left. Um, and I think people are still sour on that. And we're trying to, try to differentiate between him as a player and him as the player that he's now viewed as once he left Barcelona. And I think, yeah. I, I, I don't know. And I, I think that the question, the last question then on this conversation, well, that I'll ask you is what do you think there is to 
the concept of, you know, Luis Suarez is always seen as a bad boy. He comes in being suspended uh, after his actions at, at the World Cup back in 2014, and yet he's integrated. And he is still hated by a lot of people, but Kule's, I, I know they get on him for his age and his knee issues and, uh, and all those things, but um, he's someone that is integrated perfectly off the field. He seems like a quality character person off the field in a way that he wasn't personified before Barcelona. And it seems like if you are at Barcelona, there is a certain, you know, and Iniesta was always the leading example, Puyol, just high character guys. And so the question then becomes of a Griezmann and a Neymar, if they were to re-enter the fold or for Griezmann enter the fold, there, has, there is a dressing room uh, protocol that it seems that players all have to fit into, that regardless of how wild they were, Arturo Vidal also seen as a guy who was just, you know, a little bit, you know, on the fringes of, of personality at times uh, at Bayern Munich and Juventus. And yet, look at him. He's just seen as a high-character, quality teammate, and he's now beloved in Catalonia, which is, again, which is just, uh, it, it seems that they've, that's the way Barcelona's system is set up. And I think people are scared that a character so big as Neymar, and I think that this has happened under Messi's watches as captain, but it seems to me that, you know, with with Suarez and Messi being, and PK, who's a little bit of a, not high character, but he's a little bit of a character at times, that when you have the leaders of your club being just, you know, a lot of high volatile guys, bringing Neymar back in the fold, I think there's a belief that Barcelona's dressing room is going to lose that pride of high character that they have. Right, and you're saying by bringing back Neymar, they would lose that? Right, or I mean, even even the likes of Griezmann, he is kind of a, a yeah. you know, he's done some wacky things. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think because Neymar has been there before, again, you know, we're not going to talk about, you know, some of the other extracurricular stuff, but like, I think they all kind of like get it together, you know? And I, yeah. I, I thought when Neymar came, I was excited, but initially, but I was worried that, you know, his, his kind of suave and, you know, everything like that, I thought, you know, and his cockiness would kind of deteriorate the group a little bit. And it didn't, they all came together and played really well. Yeah, I, it's just weird. It's weird, you know, and it, it's transfer season, so who knows how much of any of these rumors are true. But, you know, Griezmann for sure, Griezmann for sure. And then there was those weird stories that the locker room didn't want him anymore. And I, I don't I don't know if he's going to – I don't know if Griezmann's going to fit. Like, I feel weird about that transfer too just for other purposes. But, I mean, you definitely make a great point about Luis Suarez. I mean, hasn't had any trouble at all at Barcelona – and, you know, becomes this very high character guy. He's best friends with Messi, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I, I think Neymar would be okay locker room-wise. I just, I, I hope he, you know, if he does come, I hope he takes it seriously. I hope if he can, you know, if he can control it, uh, you know, how much control this do you really totally have? But, you know, his injury issues kind of calm down. And, and I would love for him just once, just only one year, you know, to just stay in Barcelona when, when his... Sister, I almost called her his girlfriend. Whoops, uh, Freudian slip. Uh, when his sister's birthday comes up, he just, you don't need to go, dude. Just hang out. So, again, I, I wish I could give you a, a richer answer, but I just feel, I feel very wishy-washy about him coming back because, of you know, the, there are fond memories of the past. There's sketchy thoughts about the future. And so, yeah, it's it's a... It's a weird rumor, but I think, as you said, we're only going to have to deal with it for about nine more days, and then it's just probably going to fade away. So. Yep. Well, we're going to get into some of the rumors now. Uh, we're going to shift okay. gears after La Gran Pregunta into El Kiosco. Uh, we're going to talk some of the Copa America. Um, as I said, if you're a Barcelona fan or you know even a fan of Lionel Messi, uh, it's just been a difficult few weeks, uh, as I Almost. even admitted on Twitter that 
I spent all year, and it's not about guys who aren't at the club. It's not about you know seeing uh, seeing certain players for other teams with with rose tinted glasses. But you know when I was talking about throughout the season, you know Kevin was a big fan of Ferlin Mendy. You know talk we talked about him on the show when they played Lyon mm-hmm. and things like that, and Luka Jovic, and then Jao Felix. Uh, I talked about with Barcelab and all these different players that we've touted up and talked about and said you know these are the guys that Barcelona should go after. They've all, yeah. all of those four or five players, even even talking with Naveed about Kubo returning to Barcelona, all four or five players that I've touted up over the course of the season saying, wow, I'd love if Barcelona went out and got that guy. It's Those are the players that are, have gone directly to Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid. Uh, so I think for me personally, even it's taken some wind out of my sails saying that, you know, I, I wish that was the transfer plan that Barca had. And instead, um, it seems like after Griezmann and still going after Delict, you know, you haven't heard too much. But as I've said, I think the way that Barcelona conduct their transfer business as well is that they wind up getting a, a Jean-Claire Todibo, and we don't really hear about it at all. There's no rumors. It just happens. And they say, hey, you know, Barca have signed this player. Here, here he is. And they also do that with La Liga players. I mean, even Rakitic back in the day. I remember it happening in about a day and a half. You know, they said, oh, mm-hmm. they're, they're linked to Rakitic, and then he was signed a day and a half later. So I, I think yeah. the way Barcelona conduct their business is there is, I think there are players on the horizon but, you know, when you're looking at guys that involve this big saga, I think the Licht and Griezmann are the two saga guys, as I've, you know, as I've talked about in the past, where it takes a month or two or three or five to get it over the line. Uh, and then you have the other guys, maybe two or three, that Barca are just going to snap up and you're not going to see it coming. And a lot of times those guys are Liga players. Um, but, you know, again, the big broad idea there, uh, that tangent leads me to say that, uh, that the transfer news has been exhausting for Barca fans. So just to try to watch the Copa America or the, or, the, or the Women's World Cup or whatever you're trying to watch and get solace there, I think that's even been tough because Messi and Argentina and the Copa America, if you are just a Messi fan, uh, has been frustrating as always. But I, I think we were talking about this before we started, Will, that if you root for Argentina... Uh, again, you've known what's, how Argentina has been lately. It hasn't been great. And, uh, and that's being in the last year and a half. But I, I think to say that Messi's never been able to do it, well, they made three straight finals prior to that. You know, and it's a sad thing that, again, that people kind of hate on all the players and say it's just Messi putting it on his back, and that's just the media machine. And I think you'll watch the commentary here, even on, uh, on ESPN Plus here in the U.S., that it's, they're always, it's always about Messi. And people were getting on uh, Giovanni Lo Celso from Real Batiste for um, getting sick at the end of the game. It was the 97th minute. And I can tell you, tr- look at his heat map. Lo Celso was all over the field. They had him out wide against Colombia, but against Paraguay, he was a little more central. And he was going sideline to sideline, box to box, the entire game. And I think it's, it's just frustrating and upsetting that you know Angel Di uh, Maria did struggle in that game. Sergio Aguero, just again, he just doesn't seem to fit with Messi as good as they are as, fr- as friends and uh and the relationship they have that they just don't seem to ever fit on the field but I think to to completely neuter the Argentina players individually it's so unfair but to see as a team that it just doesn't work and that's true it just yeah. it just has it hasn't worked yeah and and really quick in the little Celso thing I I saw the initial picture and you know there's Messi and there's I can't remember who one of the forwards like way up on the on the sideline in front of him. And then you see Lo Celso bent over. Well, the reason he's bent over there is just before that he sends a pass uh, near to the box. I can't remember who it wasn't messy, um, but the player tried to make like a quick turn when he received it. And the the Paraguayan defender stole the ball from him. They send it back up the wing that Lo Celso was on. Lo Celso sprints back 
makes a tackle, steals the ball back, and passes it off to Messi. And, like, yeah, he'd been all over the field, and that was at the end of the game, and he's, you know, sprinting as hard as he can. I don't know. That I love Lo Celso. Talking about transfers, I wish we would have kind of had an eye on. But um, not that he was ever rumored to us. I just like him as a player and, you know, as an affordable transfer. But anyway, yeah, I'm totally with you. The, the Argentina stuff, I mean, to be honest, I'm still frustrated after the uh, after the Copa del Rey final in Liverpool, but and with transfers and everything. But yeah, I mean, we got together a couple of us this past Sunday to watch. To in fact, uh, my buddy Kevin, who's a loyal follower, hi Kevin. Uh, <laughs> we got together last Sunday to watch the Argentina game, and it, we we're just kind of sitting there throwing our hands up into the air the whole game because it's it's so frustrating to watch. And and I think you're right. I think it's hard to throw it on the players and. You know, talking about, you know, Messi doesn't work well with Aguero. And, you know, then there's, you know, someone like um, Paulo Dybala, who, you know, seems like a very talented player. But for whatever reason, it doesn't work with him in there with Messi either. Um, you know, they I read an article that uh, there were five Argentinian head coaches at the World Cup last year. And, uh, you know, the other four were pretty did pretty well. And um, Sam Poli, you know, well, we saw what happened with Argentina. Yeah. I, I think I think their federation is just a total mess. Yep. Uh, I've heard all I've read all these stories about, you know, all this corruption, blah blah blah. Apparently, a couple of years ago, they were playing. I don't know what the competition was, but they were flying somewhere, and I think the plane almost ran out of fuel on the way to where they were going because they were, you know, doing it on the cheap. Like, it's it's just it's it's maddening, and you know, I know we all get frustrated with Barca in some of those respects too, but. You know, Argentina, like, come on, guys. Like, you're not getting another Messi. Like, I know you had Maradona, but, like, you'll have other great players, obviously. But this is – it It really is. You're right. It's so disheartening. And we're going to get together and watch the game on Sunday, and I have no faith at all that they could beat – and this is pathetic – Qatar. I have zero faith that they can win that game. Well, to advance on the group, they have to beat Qatar and then hope that Paraguay doesn't beat Colombia because then they're certainly out. Um, And I think when it comes to the the, – I think that's the point that we talk about, especially with the international stuff, that we talk about FAs in that it takes a wake-up call. And you think back to uh, Germany back, uh, you know, and, and obviously this is in a, a great book, Das uh, Reboot. They talk about this. Uh, it's the whole book about um, how Germany, you know, built the, the infrastructure that they did after being, I mean, completely humiliated in Belgium uh, back, I believe, in, in, mm-hmm. I think it was 2002 or 2004, and, you know, completely humiliated. So they rehaul everything. They build things up from the, the ground up to the youth systems and all these things to producing all these quality players. And I know that their last World Cup didn't go well, but, you know, Germany is going to be a threat. And they have been a threat, obviously, you know, for, for many, many uh, decades now, you know, you know, going back to obviously West Germany. But yeah. they uh, when it comes to Germany, they built this infrastructure and France has done the same thing. You know, the recruitment yep. of players in the suburbs of Paris is well known. It helps lead them to a World Cup and all those things. And so I think the Argentine FA takes Messi for granted mm-hmm. in a way that we're always worried that the Barca board is doing the same thing. And so when yep. you're watching Argentina play, even that these are, again, really quality players. And it first we, we must, you know, you have to get on uh, Lino Scaloni, the, the current manager uh, of Argentina, because even in that game against Paraguay, he p- putting two strikers up top worked when Sergio Aguero came on at halftime, and they were much better than they were in the first half. They controlled about the first 15 minutes of that second half. But then Angel Di Maria is put on, you know, he's a name that needs to be on the field, right? And then yep. Latara Martinez was subbed off, and then it's because he, you know, for fitness issues, Martinez took a beating, but he had to come off yeah. the field. And that was what was puzzling, because when Martinez needed to come off, 
because, you know, again, he took a beating from Paraguay's, and for those who saw the game, Gustavo Gomez, the, the captain for Paraguay, you know, I had never seen him in person, but he is a loose cannon. Uh, <laughs> and he is, and it is a, I mean, he was, he is, an, he is an interesting player to watch. He's one of those guys you don't see in a top league, but he plays football a different way and uh, that's all I'll say and it was just it was interesting to watch yeah. but again he's a maniac and then Martinez took a beating but then Matias uh-huh. Suarez should have been the like for like replacement and then they went mm-hmm. back to that where Angel Di Maria who is not a wide player anymore is now back no. on the wing and it kind of shuts everything down and it's that there is this there is a messy dependence that happens at Barcelona at times but then I think you see over the course of a season when guys are playing together week in and week out, they're able to work their way out of it and work through it. But when you're playing for your national team, you have two chances in an international break, right? You practice a little bit, you have one game, then you have another game. And then you build up to these tournaments where, you know, if you don't get out of the group stage, you've got three games. And that's what happens to you for a World Cup that you spent four years preparing for. And that's just, yep. it's, a, it's, a, it's a different way of playing with Messi that it takes guys a lot of time to learn how to play with Messi. You do, you see it. And I don't think, you know, for the international stuff, they just try to give him the ball and then hope that something happens. And again, it's not on his teammates. It's just that's the, the, the gravity that Messi has. And I think it is it's almost a chicken for the egg. I mean, chicken before the egg kind of situation with Messi where I don't know the solution to it. But I think one of the big solutions is that when he is gone, as we said, the FA is going to have to look at itself and say, we're either going to not make the World Cup and international tournaments or we're going to have to rebuild this thing. And that's a shame it's going to take that to happen. But I think that's what's going to have to happen. In the same way that a little aside in this Women's World Cup, you look at some of the success stories here in Nigeria, um, led by a Barcelona mm-hmm. player, and you look at the success of some of these 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 teams but then you read about their FAs and you realize that the FAs relationship with these women teams are just an utter disgrace it is it's a disgrace it's a mess at some of the relationships there um and yet you see these these women in the world cup and you see these teams do well and it almost gives a pass to a poor FA because hey look our players are doing well we must be doing something right well, even even Norway with you know you have the oh yeah the first yep. ever female Ballon d'Or winner and she won't even play for your team because your FA is such a well she pers- I I don't know the details of you know what they're actually doing or not doing or whatever but you know she perceives that they're being mistreated so badly she's just like no I'm not going to play for you she roots for Norway but she won't play for her own team like yep yeah it is it's it's very sad it you know that I guess another topic for another time but yep. <laughs> and and. Quickly on the on the um, international tournaments and everything, I think Kike Setien before the season said he doesn't even watch the World Cup because it's he said it's not they're not real teams because like you said you know you get together you practice you know a week or two before the Copa America and you trot your guys out there and you know kind of hope it works and you know like a team like Chile you know over the past ten years or so they had a group all come up about the same age all together and had a lot of success. Well, those guys are kind of all done now, and now there's, you know, kind of going back to where Chile's been forever, where they're, you know, an okay team. Um, and and with Argentina, it, it's kind of like watching, like, a little kid's game or even, like, thinking back when I played when I was younger. Like, you get the ball, and you try to find the guy who's the best guy in the field, and all of you know who he is, and you pass him the ball and watch him run around. And, like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, that guy who has uh, been the best for Brazil so far – uh, as we you know shift a little bit, topic two in El Kiosco, Felipe Coutinho. He had a brace Coutinho. against Bolivia in the opener, looked lively against Venezuela in a draw, a really good result for Venezuela. And again, I think even though it was 0-0, Brazil 
uh, some of their big players did play rather well. I think Coutinho still had a good performance. And, you know, I have been excited by Artur as well and glad he wasn't injured. We thought he's going to be out for the tournament. But for Coutinho, I guess we'll say it's a little mini renaissance. But again, it is just two matches in the same way that guys are bought after international tournaments for huge yeah. amounts of money uh, in the same way that um, I guess the only question I'll have to ask you a quick, a quick, you know, we don't need to spend too much time on it, but um, do you find credence to this return of, of form for Coutinho in these two matches for Brazil? I, I mean, I want to look, if you hate Coutinho, you're a jerk. Okay. Like <laughs> I want the kid, I want the guy to play well so badly. You know, he's, he's not done anything wrong. He has, he's, you know, a very well-behaved guy, seems to be a liked guy in the locker room. Like, I don't, I have nothing personally against the guy. I want him to play well. And even with Brazil last year in the World Cup, I thought he was their best player, even ahead of Neymar. So, and to be honest, if he returns to form at Barca, I wouldn't even dream of transferring Coutinho to get Neymar back. Um, will he have it when he gets back to Barcelona? I have no idea. Uh, I I've talked to some people that have been familiar with his situation when he was at Liverpool. And they said that he, you know, he's, I don't know if he's kind of a sensitive guy, but he, he needs to be comfortable. And at the beginning of this season, I was like, this guy's going to score 20 or more goals this year. He looks great. And then it just cratered. So, you know, if, if that's true, if he is kind of a sensitive guy, like, can he get comfortable again at Barcelona or, you know, is this, is this over and he needs to go? Um, but I, I'll say I, I I can separate my frustration with him at Barcelona and be happy with him for him and his success with Brazil. And I, you know, I hope they keep playing well and, you know, advance on through the tournament. And and if it helps him, then I want him to score 12 more goals during the Copa del Rey and come back to Barca, the, the Coutinho we had um, last spring and, you know, for a month or two at the beginning of this past season. So, uh it's fun to watch. I'm happy for him. Well, I think something a little less fun to watch as our last topic in El Kiosco. Uh, I don't even know how to start with this. It's Frankie de Young's. You've heard this by now. Frankie de Young's agent's son. There we go. Frankie de Young's agent's son signed with Barcelona B. Mike Van uh, by nine, I believe it is, signed for a free transfer after his contract expired with NEAC. Uh, Breda, and I think people, you know, you can tweet at us the incorrect pronunciations here. Again, I'm not saying that uh, I have a good understanding with uh, Dutch pronunciations, but the 20-year-old fullback spent the 20-year-old fullback spent the season with NAC uh, Breda's U21 side. Never even came up for the team that wound up being relegated from the Eredivisie. He has a hundred million euro release clause, and this comes after uh, we'll say the surprising signing of um, Ludovic Oris from uh, Grenigan in the Eredivisie as well. Um, and, it's, you know, this is, obviously this is nepotism. This is what this is. This was part of, most likely, not most likely, this is definitely part of the uh, deal to get Frankie de Young uh, as basically, I guess, in, in place of agent commission. And it is dirty and it is underhanded. But um, the one thing I will say about this, it's not the first time and uh, this has happened. And I think the frustration from Kool-Aid is not that it happened but that I think for a long time, for good reason, Barca were able to have this holier-than-thou when it came to transfers, when it came to negotiations. They could have this holier-than-thou, you know, we don't stoop to the levels of, 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 of underseeny things like this. Um, and they were able to do that for a long time. But unfortunately, uh, and recently, it seems that Barca, you know, they're being bitten by things like 
signing a Brazilian Douglas over Asensio, we always they always we always go back to that that Barca are willing to pay for the idea of marketability of a Brazilian player um, more so than they are just getting the best talent. And it mm-hmm. seems like this again is one of those where they made a deal and now they just have to pay mm-hmm. some money, extra money that we didn't think about uh, in this case. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I saw it come out yesterday and I. I before I saw who who the player really was, I was like, who, who's this guy? I've never heard of him before. And I, you know, I follow things pretty closely. And then, you know, you read, oh, Agent Son. Oh, my God. Like, look, I, I when we signed Frankie, I text friends of mine, both on the New York Pena and talk to people here in Austin. And I said, I think this guy is going to be and always, everyone makes their bold predictions. And then, you know, if which I don't think I will be. But if I'm wrong and six months old, you can come laugh at me. But I think this guy is going to be the most important signing for Barca in the past for, for the next eight years. I think this guy is going to be hugely successful with us. And I mean, you know, Valverde aside, he it's, it was vital for us to sign him. Yeah. I don't think it's a hot take. I I don't think it's a hot take at all. I think, you know, I I, looking at him in the last year, Frankie de Young was the best fit for Barcelona. And I, I think, for any, I, I know that we're still talking about the Lick and all these other players, but De Young was the guy. He was the guy that Barcelona needed to get, and they got him. I agree with you yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's just, you know, how far are you willing to go? I mean, weren't, weren't I may be wrong about this, but weren't the rumors that the Douglas deal had something to do with the Neymar deal? And that, like, I, it, I just feel like we're, we're really quickly running away from one of the biggest reasons I'm a Barca fan. I, you know, you always, you always kind of, oh, I don't know, but a lot of people will act a little sheepishly when you say, hey, I'm a Barcelona fan, because then people say, oh, you're, you know, you're just like the favorites and blah, blah, blah. I did not care. I fell in love with Mescaun Club, and that's what I want us to be. And it's so, it's, it's just, it, it's embarrassing. Like, everyone looks at this like, oh, yeah, we know what happened there. Like, I mean, now dealing with Raiola, who, I, isn't he supposed to be suspended right now? Like, how is he working <laughs> yeah. on the behalf of Delete? Um, obviously I'm realistic and I understand soccer world is just a freak show, but I mean, it's I money. It's delete. a business. That's what it is. It's a business as yeah. much as, you know, Barcelona, we like to romanticize, um, because again, yeah. we love it because so many of these, you know, the, the idea that a club is more than, than just this business is this thing that produces a, a sporting, you know, it's just more than a sporting business entity. Uh, we want we, yeah. we, we believe it is more than that. Then there is a realistic sense that particularly with, as you said, the transfer market has gone completely bananas. Uh, and yeah. since it's done that and it you know, was due to a transfer at Barcelona when Neymar goes to PSG. Uh, but even before that, you know, Johan Cruyff was was a, a megastar when he signed for Barcelona. Diego Maradona was a huge signing. It's not like Barcelona have not made gigantic signings in the past. It's not like we've been above all of that. Again, that's how Cruyff and Maradona came to the club. But in the same regards, uh, you know, these these little stories that are that are spit in there at the end. Uh, but it, it feels like that for a, a club that touts the building of the academy, this guy might never play a single game for Barca B even. He might just sit on the bench or go out on loan or something like that. Um, but yeah. Just the fact that he could pose and be at Barcelona. Um, and, you know, it's a fact that they weren't willing to spend the you know, what was necessary to bring in Kubo or, and it looks like, you know, the contract renewal with Ansu Fadi uh, from La Masia is just, you know, mm-hmm. again, it's crazy. It's things can be, you know, my total soccer show. One of my favorite 
you know, I think one of my favorite podcasts myself to listen to, um, Daryl and Terrell always say, things can be two things. And this is true, that 16-year-olds, 17, 18-year-olds should not be asking for the millions. But in the same regard, Barcelona have to evaluate talent properly and know and have to and, and have an understanding and a faith that their system works. And can this player become a superstar as opposed to bringing in a 20-year-old that, you know, seems to n- never have that kind of potential? And who are you yeah. going to spend your one million on? And it seems like talent, talent evaluation, um, you know, has always been something that Barcelona has prided itself on. That's why La Masia is touted the way it is, that they evaluate talent so, so well, um, Barcelona have. So to, to continue to do that, um, you know, they, that's an expectation that Barcelona will continue to evaluate talent properly. Um, and obviously bringing in a guy like this for the reasons they did, you know, if we're supposed to take it seriously, then this is terrible talent evaluation for Barcelona, <laughs> right? That's what totally, it is. Man. Totally. I mean, look, I have nothing against the kid. If he comes in and somehow miraculously is a great player, awesome. That would be yeah. fantastic. But and like, what about the Alam? What about the uh, praising Madrid? Where's your, where do you stand on that? The like their their transfer season? No, on uh, Dude. On, on his social media. The, when he was a teenager, oh, he I'm, praising Madrid. Look, yeah, I mean, I saw it, and, and you know, Ronaldo for Ballon d'Or and everything. I mean, I don't know. Like, people say crazy stuff. I mean, d- didn't uh, uh, I want to say it was Danny Ceballos, but I may be wrong, so I apologize if I am. Didn't he say some like you know crazy Spanish national stuff or some maybe anti-Catalan stuff? I know we were in the talks for a transfer of a guy that you know then it had some very anti-Catalan tech or it was Ceballos. And You're yep, it was Ceballos. What's that? Yeah, it was Ceballos back with. Uh... Yeah, Real Madrid okay. back in the day. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's one thing. This is just fandom. I mean, if he if he's a Madrid fan, fine, but like I don't think he's going to, you know, jeopardize something with the club even if he's still a Madrid fan. I, it it had nothing to do with that. Like if if the kid was such a Madrid fan, then wouldn't he have gone, "You know, daddy, I don't really want to go to Barcelona." Like I appreciate that you're looking out for me, but I don't want to do this. No. So he didn't do that, so who cares? Like Yeah. It, the, this transfer to me is meaningless for that player. If if he comes in and is good, then great. That'll be awesome for him. But it's it's for all the other reasons we talked about, and it's like like super quick, like undeleted. I think this kid, like we were talking the other day, if you're if you're Tottenham or if you're I don't know Lazio or even even Aleti to a degree. Then you'd, you'd say, oh, you know, if we don't get him, we've got so-and-so, and it's fine. True. That's totally true. And he's an amazing player, and, but he's very, very expensive. The thing is, we're Barca. you, you got to be able to – this guy's a generational talent. Do we need another center back right now? Eh, probably not. Like, we could stick with what we got. We're doing pretty good. This guy's a generational talent, and there's interest from his side, so you got to try. Um, you know, if we don't get him and he goes to PSG, I'll – to be honest, I've I've kind of fallen in love with the kid. He could go to Madrid, and I'd I'd honestly be slightly happier than if he went to PSG because that would be a meaningful move mm-hmm. for his career. Yeah. I would hate it as a Barca fan, but you know I yeah. I just want the kid to make a good informed decision. If he goes to Juventus instead of Barca, that's fine too. I really don't want him to go to PSG because Raiola sold him on you know making X salary. Right. Um. But but if we sign him and then it comes out you know a year later, oh we signed his. You know, little, I don't even know if he has one, but like his little sister to the Femeni team would be like, no, why are we doing this? Don't, it's not, that's a cost I'm not willing to pay. 
I mean, we've already done it a couple of times, so I don't, I don't really know what else to say about yeah. it, but yeah, well, I, I mean, it, I would, I would, it's just sketchy. Yeah. I would also add the amendment uh, that, uh, as far as people getting upset about his, his pro Madrid stuff that I think they're again, as Barca fans, Pro-Madrid usually means anti-Barca, but it doesn't necessarily. We think back to uh, Sergi uh, Guardiola. I think it was about a year and a half ago now or two years, whatever it was. Yep. Sergi, uh, the, uh, you know, he was going to be playing for Barcelona B, but he did have, have some anti-Barcelona and derogatory stuff. And so that's yeah. what cut down that. And that's because it was anti-Barcelona um, right. as opposed to pro-Madrid, which I think, there again, there is a difference where it's like we always totally. show there's, there, are, there are pictures of, Mo, of Modric and Isco um, wearing Barcelona stuff from when they were younger, Hazard. and now the Real Madrid fans, yeah, and that, these things happen. Yeah. So I think again, the big reminder about this Frankie de Young story, uh, and not even about Frankie, but about uh, you know the agent's son. I think again that uh, signing a twenty-year-old fullback for Barcelona B, no one is going to know his name. You know, I didn't even know how to say yeah. his name. No one's going to know his name uh, in three, four weeks' time. But this is the summertime. This is when. You know, Twitter needs something to talk about and argue about that the papers need <laughs> to sell papers. And no, and I think this is, again, the, re- the reminder I always have. And I can tell you as, um, you know, as, as someone who hosts, as someone who schedules guests, as someone who writes these rundowns, the summertime is the hardest time of the year because it's right. just utter nonsense. You don't know what's truth. It's all just a mess. So I would say for this week, the thing that I picked of all this whole show that you heard, the one thing I picked out this week was that there is a fullback in the Eredivisie that Barcelona ha- was linked with. That I am excited about. It's Diego Palacios. Yeah. He's a left back who was on loan at Willem the, uh, the Willem Two, if you will, uh, last season from Club Alcas in Ecuador, where he's from. I was really impressed with him at the U20 World Cup, and that wasn't just against the U20s uh, for the for the US. Throughout the whole tournament, uh, Ecuador wound up being the third place team at the U20 World Cup, and it says nothing. You never know. Two, three, four of those players on each team wind up being quality professionals or international players and the ref fall by the wayside but he was at the left back position one of one of the best teams in the tournament's best players and uh, he was I was fantastic yeah I was really yeah. impressed by him and so for them to be linked with him again that's not a name that they're just going to pick out of a hat to sell papers there must be something there because that's a name that nobody knows right and yeah. so I think that there is something there and if he winds up being next week's signing Again, if you listen to this whole show about all the transfer nonsense, that's the thing that excites me the most and that I care about. And that's what I try totally. to, you know, focus on in this time. Well, and we, you know, just from a sporting perspective, we, we need someone like that because looks like Miranda's going to go out yep. and uh, Cucurell, I don't, it looks like we're probably just going to resell him. Either way, he's not going to play for the B team. So yeah, he's someone we need to, I mean... Yeah, and what if he comes and he's a success like Musa Wage? What if he comes in and he's a success like that kid? And next year he could, you know, fight, you know, fight with Alba or if we bring in somebody else, fight with them for, you know, the backup role or whatever with the first team. Yeah, I I love this rumor. I I would that the other ones I feel, you know, a little hot and cold on. This one one hundred percent yes. Let's do this. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean the left back spot, um, and this is another plug over on YouTube. You know, the podcast is coming out late. It's Friday uh, when this show is coming out. But we did have two YouTube videos over on the YouTube channel, the Barcelona podcast. It was about the history of the Copa America. where We talked about, you know, who could be favorites based on history. And then we also had one on La Masia. We talked last week's show with Naveed. But again, I just want to plug on the YouTube page. We talk about, uh, you know, not to give too much away, but Alejandro Balde uh, from Cadet A 
who played for Juvenal Bay as well this year. The left back spot in La Masia is not completely, uh, you know, without some very, very quality high players, but Balde is still a few years out. So if Miranda is not the answer, they do need some kind of bridge. And again, Alba would do pretty well with some competition. We've talked about that in the past. But, uh, uh, you know, um, Will, this has been a great conversation. I'm really glad you were able to join the show. So uh, I want to give a little bit of time here for you to uh, plug. Well, I guess you'd say your Pena, but you can plug yourself if you'd like as well. Where can people find no, you? I, I, I'm not, there's not much to plug about me. But uh, I, first of all, I really appreciate it, Dan. Really been fun for me to, to do it solo this time and everything, or, you know, just one-on-one with you. Yeah, like like Dan mentioned, we're, we're starting to pen you down here in Austin. We're only about a year and a half old, um, but we've had a lot of really great traction. Lots of amazing people have joined our group this year. Um, we've been working with the Barca Academy here in town to take the steps towards becoming an official Barca Pena. We're hoping we can accomplish that. Uh, certainly by the end of this coming uh, football season, but, you know, who knows, maybe even as soon as, like, the Christmas time holidays and everything. So, um, yeah, if you're in the area, please come down and see us. We meet at the Tavern, which is at 12th and Lamar, real, real, real close to downtown. Yeah, it, it's it's been a lot of fun. I, I'm so happy to to meet so many awesome Kool-Aids here in the Austin area. And, uh, yeah, like I said, come and hang out with us. We're a good group. Well, we uh, thank you, Will, again for coming on the show. And we thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. You can also find us on social media, too. We're on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod, or at HiltonD13 for me, and on Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group for deeper dives and discussions. And you can also help us out on Patreon to continue making these shows. Even in the offseason, you know, I usually do the quick take match reviews during the season, and I'm going to be trying to make a few more of those, some of the international stuff. Uh, that's tvpod.link backslash patron again that is again you don't hear advertising at the moment nothing like that so that is how i continue making these shows it's through the patreon we're also on youtube that you can help us out there with likes and subscriptions uh now that's the barcelona podcast and i've been doing a lot more video this summer as well uh over there on the youtube channel check us out hit that subscription button and as always continue listening to the barcelona podcast here uh, in your ears we thank you so much for listening until next time we'll talk to you soon and for the bye